Like we are being held back because we're not asking for what we deserve. We're not asking for favors. We're not asking to like throw me a little, you know, can you please throw me a bone? We're asking for what we deserve. We work hard. We are efficient. We are creative. We're productive. And so we should be paid accordingly. And we just don't necessarily have either the confidence or the skills or the knowledge to have this conversation that's going to result in us getting the kind of money that we need. You're listening to Nurses on Fire, the podcast for nurses by nurses aspiring to financial independence. I'm your host, Nasima McElroy of Financially Intentional. Let's spark some flames, y'all. Have you started on your journey towards financial independence or want to do better with your money and don't know where to start? Well, this training is for you. I encourage you to head over to financiallyintentional.com live to sign up for our next free masterclass where I'll teach you the techniques I've used and taught my clients to master money and build wealth. During this free training, you'll learn the most powerful weapon you have at your disposal to launch into financial freedom the budgeting method that will free up thousands of dollars a month to achieve your financial goals, the common mistakes to avoid while paying off debt, and how to rapidly slay debt. You don't want to miss this, so head over to financiallyintentional.com live or click the button in the show notes to register for our next free masterclass. Welcome to episode 52 of the Nurses on Fire podcast. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, welcome and cheers to igniting your fire. I would be eternally grateful if you took a moment to subscribe, leave a review, and share with other nurses that you know could benefit. Make sure to head over to nursesonfirepodcast.com slash win to find out how to be entered to win an Amazon gift card for leaving a review. So we are going to talk about women and money in this episode, and I have the perfect guest for you. Dorianne St. Floor is an HR leader, diversity and inclusion strategist, and career and leadership coach who turns professional women of color into paid and prominent corporate powerhouses. Dorianne is the founder of Your Career Girl, a digital career development agency for women of color and the creator of the career development podcast, Deeper Than Work, which has been recognized by BuzzFeed as one of the 27 podcasts you need to start listening to. She has been featured in Black Enterprise, Working Mother, Forbes, Fast Company, and The Muse. Dorian brings a culturally relevant perspective to her work. She draws from her education, 10 years of work experience, deep empathy, and hundreds of conversations with top performers from all walks of life to help her clients interrupt status quo success with personal paths to abundance, fulfillment, and achievement. In addition to coaching, Dorian is a virtual corporate speaker and host talking on a variety of leadership and diversity and inclusion related topics. Episode 52 of the Nurses on Fire podcast, this nurse is asking for what she deserves. 
All right, Nurses on Fire, we have the pleasure of being joined by Dorian St. Floor of Your Career Girl. Hey, Dorian. <laughs> hey, Nasima. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, it is my pleasure. Absolutely. Because you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to just leveling up in your career. And I wanted to bring you on to share some tips to empower people to be able to get paid what they're worth, because there is a huge race gap. The majority of my audience is women, but women of color specifically and just provide some tools for what we can do to mitigate some of the differences in salary that we're seeing. And I think the time is right <laughs> to do that, considering a lot of the things that have been going on just globally. So first, Dorian, <laughs> uh, let's just uh, share a little bit of your background and how um, you started Your Career Girl. Yeah, so Your Career Girl has been around for five and a half years now at this point. I still can't believe it's been so long. And it started basically because I was on my own journey in my career. Most of my career, I've been in human resources. I've done a lot of things there. And I was looking for help with my own career. I was at a crossroads. What do I do next? What am I good at? Just all of these questions I had. And it was over Christmas break. So I had two weeks off from work and I was visiting my mom. And I was like, let me find a career coach. And I looked online. I typed in career coaches. I typed in career coaches for black women. I typed in career coaches for women. And all I could find were like middle-aged white women from like the Midwest. And there's nothing wrong with them, obviously, but I wanted to talk about what it meant to be a black woman in corporate or, you know, a black woman in the things that we face. And I just really felt like I couldn't, they wouldn't be able to get me or understand that. And so I said, you know what, you've been in HR for 10 years. You are doing really well at this. You've helped other people with their careers. You've done well in your own. Why don't you just do this yourself? I literally just had that moment. And I created an Instagram account, created a website, and the rest is history. Literally, I made a decision in a day that I was going to start a business, not knowing what it meant, what it entailed, what the journey would be like. But I just knew that there's a void, there's a gap, and I need to fill it. And so Your Career Girl was born, had a different name back then, but it eventually morphed into what this is now. And basically, it's a leadership and career development platform for women of color. So I help women really understand their value, their impact, their power, and use all of that to get paid, to get raises, to get opportunities, to become thought leaders, to just level up in their whole career. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know you yourself have made some tremendous strides in your career. And can you share some of the wins you've been able to have personally? Yeah, I think the biggest win was probably most recently I got a job offer at Google. And so I was working there for a year. That was huge. You know, you hear Google is this big company and it's hard to get in. They get like millions of applications every single year and only accept like a, a small subset of that. So I really felt like, wow, I have arrived <laughs> by getting a job offer there. So that was a huge win. I think transitioning from operations where I started my career into HR was another big win. HR was something that I didn't know at the time, but it ended up being like 
my calling, not to sound cheesy, <laughs> um, in the corporate world. And so I was so happy to be able to transition into there and do well. I've worked for some amazing companies, have had great successes, been promoted, raises, all of that good stuff. I really enjoyed a really fulfilling career. Definitely had its low points, toxic environments, bad bosses being laid off. But Overall, when I look at it, it's just been an opportunity for me to leverage my skills, my experience, my education, and do work that I can be proud of and make an impact doing it. Yeah. And then super proud of you as recently you've been able to take those skills and all the things that you've been able to experience in your career to start your own consulting company. So kudos to you for that. The, the newest milestone in my career, I'm doing full-time now, I'm doing this work with Your Career Girl, as well as doing some diversity and inclusion consulting um, full-time on my own. So thank you. So what do you think are some of the things that hold women or women of color, especially back in the workforce? Mm-hmm. I think it, it boils down to a few things. I think just first, we're not necessarily taught those cheat codes that a lot of other demographics are taught. So things like it matters about who you know. I know we hear it's not what you know, it's who you know, but we kind of say it and keep it moving. But no, no, seriously, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so really focusing on building a network and not just a, a network of just random people, but strategically thinking, as I think about the goals in my career, who do I need to know? Who needs to know me? How can building this relationship help me get to where I need to go? How do I swallow my pride and just put myself out there? I think those are some skills that we don't, it doesn't necessarily, it's not taught. I know for me, we did not, I did not learn at the dinner table about networking and making sure I was on this board and doing the, it's not what we spoke about. And so I think that is one thing that's holding us back is not having the right networks. I think another thing that's holding us back is not asking for help. It's kind of related to the first one, but part of being a black woman, part of being a woman of color is like, I'm strong, I'm independent, I can do this, which is great, but I think we over index on it and it comes to the point where, so I'm not gonna ask anyone for any help at any time, I'm gonna just do this all on my own. And going to the top of your career, becoming an executive, becoming a senior leader, whatever it is that you wanna do, you cannot get there by yourself. You have to get mentorship, sponsorship, be trained, be coached. All of those things are part of the process. Anyone that you look up to in their career, whether they're an entrepreneur, they're in the nine to five, no matter what industry, they got there by someone else supporting and helping them. And I think the third thing and the most, not most important, but something that's super important to me is about our money. Like we are being held back because we're not asking for what we deserve. We're not asking for favors. We're not asking to like throw me a little, you know, can you please throw me a bone? We're asking for what we deserve. We work hard. We are efficient. We are creative. We're productive. And so we should be paid accordingly. And we just don't necessarily have either the confidence or the skills or the knowledge to have this conversation that's going to result in us getting the kind of money that we need. 
Right. So you have the back end perspective of knowing, you know, what salary ranges are and, you know, typically what people accept and what's offered. Can you explain from your perspective what you see when people typically accept a job? Mm -hmm. So it ranges from oh my gosh, they just gave me this job. I'm so excited and grateful. I'm not going to rock the boat. Yes, yes, yes. I'll take it (laughs) to, oh, how dare they? They're not even budging or they've only budged a little bit. So screw you. I'm not taking this role. And I like to coach people that there's a middle space. There's a space where you can absolutely negotiate and absolutely try to understand what it is that you should be getting paid, but also being realistic with the expectations as well. And, and, and kind of, compromising and working with the, with the person. And so I think for the most part, though, people tend to skew on the, I don't want to rock the boat and I just don't want to negotiate. There's so many women that I come in contact with. They've been working for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and they've never negotiated, not once. And there's research out there that shows that Black women lose around like a million dollars worth of salary over the course of their career because they're not negotiating and because uh, because they're not asking and not demanding. Yes, I will also want to say there are some systemic issues, right? They pay us less on average and all of those things. We're in lower level roles, et cetera. However, there's also something to be said about owning this process and asking and demanding what it is that you need. And I think a lot of us just aren't doing that. How do you recommend people go about asking for more money? Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is to do your research. I'm sure if we would ask 10 women right now, how many of you feel like you're underpaid? Nine of them would raise their hand. And if we say, okay, so what should you be paid? They'll give us the blank stare. You need to do research, right? And understand what is the market rate for my role in the level that I'm in, in the industry that I'm in, in the climate that we're in economically, how much is this seat worth? Um, and you want to do that by going on websites. There's so many websites out there. There's uh, Glassdoor, Payscale, Salary.com. There's this new website that I found called 81cents.com. And all of these resources are there to help you understand where you stand in the market. So there's that. And then there's also asking people. And not that you walk up to a person and say, hey, what's your salary? But in the course of conversation, as you build your network, hey, I'm actually applying for this role. The salary is between like 70 and 85. That's what I'm trying to look for. Is that realistic? Am I off? And just hearing what they say. And I think it's also important that when we're asking people, again, being strategic in who you're asking, don't just ask your friends and the people who look like you. Ask those other, those white males and those white women and those other people like hey, this is what I'm thinking. How does that sound to you? So that you could get a gauge of what people are making and what's going on there. So I think that's the first step is to really do the research. And then you can go about having the actual conversation. Don't go in there just like, hey, I think I'm underpaid. I want to be making more. I'm not really sure how much, but I just know. Or just don't just throw out, oh, I want to be making $20,000 more. Like, where did this come from? I've done my research. I've spoken to other people. I've looked on some websites. And this is what I'm thinking I should get. And so in addition to the research, also grounding it in your value. So I've done the research manager. On top of that, I've done X, Y, and Z over the past year. 
And so because of all of that, I'm really looking to target $15,000 more in my salary based on what I contribute, based on the value I bring. I feel like this is at par with that. And so let's have that discussion. But what about those people who, like me, have been told by HR that they shouldn't be discussing their salaries? Mm-hmm. That is a lie. <laughs> so let me explain. First of all, the, it by we're backed by the federal law. I think there was something put into place, I think it was 1935 or whatever it was. So it's been around for some time that it is not illegal for you to talk about your salary. Your manager can't go out and put a spreadsheet and put all your business out there. Oh, you know, Dorian's making X. But if you want to talk to your coworker and tell your coworker, I'm making $85,000, how much are you making? Let's make sure that this is fair. They can't stop you, but they can tell you we frown upon it. We discourage it. They can put a little note in the employee handbook. It is illegal for you to be fired or retaliated against for speaking about your salary. It is your right and you're able to do that. This is how the wage gap is able to continue because the person I sit next to doesn't know that I'm making $10,000 more than her. She can't advocate for herself. She can't talk about it. As an HR person, let me tell you, it's annoying when people talk about salaries because now y'all coming to us saying I want to raise. So that's why they're saying don't do it, right? It's irritating. However, it's in your best interest to understand what's going on. Now, does everybody want to talk about it? No. And so that's why you have to be slick in the way you do it and kind of be willing to put yourself out there and see if they'll give you back whatever. But please don't let your HR or your manager or anyone tell you that it's illegal or that it's against company policy or any of those things. You have the federal law on your side. So what, how do you advocate for yourself if you find out that your coworker doing the exact same job functions as you, the exact same job title is making more than you? Mm-hmm. I think you have to be strategic about how you bring it up. So it, do not go into your boss's office. Hey, Nasima told me that she makes this much and it's more than me. That is not fair. Y'all need to fix. No, right? Let's not do that. But again, thinking back about having a strategic conversation. So that's one price point. That's one data point that your person, this person is making more than you. Think about, okay, are there any difference in degrees? Just because we're doing the same thing now, what was her background and how did that happen? Maybe she negotiated when she came in and I did it. Like there's so many factors that go into this. And so really just putting it into perspective, understanding it, doing your research, and then going and having that conversation. And I always, even if one of my clients realize and they figure out that somebody's making more than them, I still don't lead with that. I don't have them lead with that in the conversation. It's not about this person's getting paid more than me. It's about based on the value on the role, based on what I bring to the table, and based on some research that I've gathered, I'm being underpaid by this amount. I don't go in there and like throw people under the bus and say such and such told me, even though people do it all the time as an HR person, people have come in and gave me the names of who told them and where they were. Um, But I think more than that, it's not about comparing yourself to anyone else. It's about comparing yourself to the seat and to the role. And based on this role, I do this. I exceed these expectations. I, you know, this is what I've done and I need to be compensated for that. And I think something that's important that people should think about, too, is that when you're having these conversations, you should already go in there understanding what are you going to do based on the response. And so are you going to have this conversation and the manager says, great, glad you brought it up, but we're not changing your salary. And then are you just going to go back to your desk and just keep working? 
are you going to then say, okay, great. Well, then I'm going to start my exit strategy and I'm leaving. Like be prepared for how you will react based on the response and what they say. I'm known as a debt slayer because of the $200,000 in student loans I slayed in two and a half years. I hated those loans and dealing with the loan servicers. I was head down and focused and wanted to get rid of the debt as soon as possible. Knocking out these loans and seeing a zero loan balance was one of the most liberating feelings I have ever felt. But recently I learned that by not optimizing my student loan payoff strategy, I lost money. I'm talking about big money, y'all. I could have saved $80,000 if I had a customized student loan plan by the team at Student Loan Planner. Please don't make the same mistake as me. If you have student loan debt, especially in the six figures, head over to studentloanplanner.com slash financially intentional to get your customized student loan plan today. Do you know how your retirement funds are invested? Do you know how much you're paying in fees? Chances are you're on the same boat as some of my coworkers. Some of them set up their retirement when they first got hired and never looked at it again. Some have let a computer select their investments and don't even know what they're invested in. Worst of all, some people have their retirement funds sitting in a savings account and they're not even invested in the market because they're afraid to lose money. That's hella scary, y'all. What's even scarier is that some of you listening don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. And guess what? This is super common. This has to change today. Let Bloom do the work for you. Head over to financiallyintentional.com slash Bloom and get your free retirement account analysis. They'll check and see if your retirement account is optimized for you and they'll let you know if you're paying too much in fees. That's Bloom with three O's. Bloom can also manage your retirement account on an ongoing basis so you can take the stress out of retirement planning. If you choose to work with Bloom, their fees are incredibly low, less than your Netflix subscription. You have enough to worry about. Let Bloom handle your retirement account. The hardest thing you'll have to do when it comes to your retirement is remember that Bloom is spelled with three O's. Head over to financiallyintentional.com slash bloom. Remember, spelled with three O's and get your retirement account squared away today. So what are some things people can do if somebody tells them no? Mm -hmm. If somebody tells them no, so if they've done the research and they know other people are getting paid more than them, I would say the first thing that I would do is probably go to HR. Now, I put a little asterisk by that because not everybody's HR department is good. Some of these HR folks are trash. Um, And so they're not going to advocate for you. They're not going to do those things. So feel it out. You know your company culture. You know your company HR team. Understand that first. If they are notorious for not caring about you, not doing what you need to do, then skip this step. 
If they are though, I would speak to them. I would say, hey, it's been come to my attention that I'm not being paid at the same level as others on my team doing similar work. I've done my research externally as well as internally. And based on my performance reviews and what I've done, this is what I should be making. I had a conversation with my manager. It did not go well. I'd like to raise this to HR for us to really investigate and look into. Like, I know that you are a company who value diversity and equity. And right now, we are not having equal pay for equal work. And so I would like to talk about this and understand that. Any HR person worth their salt is going to pay attention to that, the way it's phrased, like you're throwing around equity and all these sorts of things are going to do that. And so that could be your course of action. They can do the investigation, though, and for whatever reason, still say no, then I think it's time for you to make a decision. So you can either go out and find another job, bring that offer back to them and say, hey, this is what I'm getting this much. And they may or may not counter you. I've had that in my career before where they say, nope, you're actually not leaving here. We'll match it. Like, please stay. Um, and so you can do that or you can just leave. Um, like it's a, it's a decision you have to make. But again, think I think you should be thinking about that before you even have the first conversation because you want to know how you want to go in there not being afraid to walk away. If you've done this research and you've looked this up and they're not paying you what you're worth, I know everyone can't just jump ship, but at least have your exit strategy in place. They obviously are not valuing what you bring to the table. So if you do decide to leave and seek positions elsewhere, what tips do you give people in order to effectively negotiate a salary when they're entering into a new job? I think this is the place where you get, you have the most leverage. So of all the ways that you can get a raise, either from being promoted or through the regular annual increases or negotiating internally, the biggest bang for your buck comes from externally when you go out and find a new job. And so I tell people, one, when you're having these conversations, try to avoid talking about salary until you actually have a job offer. Because that's when they like you, like they put a ring on it. They're like, yes, come with us. We want you. And so now you have room to play with. If you talk about it too soon, you may price yourself out of it. They may say, oh, no, we can't do that or whatever. Who knows? Or you may cap yourself. Sometimes you put the money down and you say it first and they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, sure. That works. And they had budget to give you more. So I coach people to avoid the conversation for as long as possible. Now, it's not always possible. Sometimes these recruiters are savage and they're like, no, we want to know. Tell us, tell us. And then I think you need to be prepared with a range or an actual number that is like your pie in the sky number. If you want to be making $70,000 a year and they're bugging you and they're saying, please give us, we need to know this. Don't tell them I want to be making between 65 and 70, right? If 70 is your drop dead number, then say something like, I'm looking to target around $75,000 for my next role and let them do what they will. And then you guys can negotiate from there. But that's only if they keep pushing. What I like to tell people to say is, well, I'm really interested in this role right now. It's in the early stages. I want to know more about you, the company, the role before I talk about money. I haven't really spoke, talk, thought about it yet. So can we revisit this money conversation a little further in the process? Most of them will be like, okay, cool. Some of them will still push again. And I advise people to push back just like once and say, yeah, it's still kind of early. I'm not really sure. If they keep pushing, then you don't need to keep going back and forth. Didn't give them your range, but try to prolong the conversation. I haven't been asked 
for salary early on in years. Like the companies, they know better. Like this is too early for us to talk about it. And something that comes up, and I know somebody's probably listening and saying, but what if I don't tell them and I go through this whole process and then it turns out to be too low and I've wasted my time. I think part of the job search process is to do research ahead. So don't be applying for roles that are two levels below what you already are or at companies or organizations that they're not doing well and you don't have budget. Like do your research to understand the kinds of companies and roles and things that you're looking into so that you can make an informed decision. I also advocate for people not to be applying blindly, like apply through your network so you can get some inside information. Hey, I'm targeting 75,000. Is that even realistic at this place? Like, what do they do? They'd be like, oh, no, no, no. We get paid (laughs) way lower than that. Then you kind of know what's going on. So use all of the resources that are available to you so that you can make an informed decision in the process. Yep. I love it. I love it. And yes, the biggest bang for your buck you're going to get is if you do get a new job. (laughs) That's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's the floor that most people start at. And so you really want to be very strategic on when you accept that job offer, what you're accepting it at, because it can only go up from there. But you want to make sure you're not starting from a low, low level because it can take you years to get to what that next person next to you just negotiated. So you have to be super strategic about that. All right. So now you're transitioning into, or you have been in diversity and inclusion in workplaces. And I know that, especially as a woman of color, certain workplaces can be uncomfortable because of basically just the lack of awareness around how to be in an inclusive workplace. What kind of things are you doing with organizations that you work with to make it more inclusive? Yeah. So the first thing I do is I don't just do put Band-Aids on things. So if companies want to work with me, it's not, hey, can you just do this one training for us so that we can check the box? So I think for me, it's about having a holistic strategy that encompasses all of the areas of your culture. So I want to talk about things like your compensation process. How are you deciding who gets paid what and making sure that there's equal pay for equal work, as well as your performance reviews, your promotion process. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the actual day-to-day interactions with people. I want to make sure your managers are trained on how to lead diverse teams. I want to make sure that your recruiting strategy is diversifying your pipe. Like it's everything. And so for organizations who really are serious about building cultures that are anti-racist, that are equitable, it's about how do we encompass it in everything we do and not just have like, oh, diversity is a side project that we work on. And we have a person who does some diversity work and we don't know what's going on. So it's really about making it all inclusive. So I do training, strategy work, thought partnership, all of that stuff in service of building truly equitable cultures. What about people who think that this work isn't necessary because if we're all coming to the same workplace and we've all gotten the degrees or the certifications or we all meet the same job qualifications, shouldn't it just be second nature that the workplace is inclusive? Yeah, no. We live in America. No. Like, that's what I would say to them. No. (laughs) Like, I wish that were the case, but we, I I think we've seen it in every single area of life. It's not the case. It's not the way that these systems were set up. The systems were set up 
for white people to thrive, literally, if I want, if you were being honest. And so they have access. I mean, we started our conversation talking about like just the difference in how we're brought up and what our parents talk to us about. Some of the conversations that, that, that these, these folks are having who are becoming CEOs at 27 and have all these million dollars in funding and they're starting their businesses. We don't have the same access, the same things. And so, no, just because I have this degree and I have this certification, I have this license, and we're both here at the same time, the way that you all receive is different. If I'm passionate about a topic, then I'm aggressive and I'm scary to you. Whereas if somebody else is passionate about a topic, oh, they're so passionate and they bring everything they, they, they have to this work. If I want to start a family, then, you're, then people are assuming, oh, well, we may not want to give her these projects because she's starting a family. If a man, his wife has started a family, then great for him. He's solidifying and building roots. Like there's so many differences with biases, with um, microaggressions, with just how we've all been brought up that no, it doesn't matter if we're the same on paper, it's just different. And don't even get me started on even getting to the table because as in being in HR, I've been around recruiters, like there's a thing with what your name is and how it comes up on a resume and if people will accept you. There's a thing, like one of the jobs I got, literally it was because of my name, because my name sounds very French. I'm from Brooklyn and I'm not French, but they, it was a French company and my boss, you know, months into it was like, I really, when you came in, I really was expecting somebody else. <laughs> I thought you spoke French. I thought all these things and we just laughed about it, whatever. That's a thing. Like people, we our brains use shortcuts and we say, okay, what makes sense? And we make assumptions. And unfortunately, there's a lot of assumptions about women of color. And sometimes it goes to our detriment um, because it, and because of these systems that are just unfair and unequal. And so, yeah, no is the answer to that. <laughs> And even if it's not even intentional, I think, like you said, like our brain just wants to take shortcuts. There's a whole lot of unconscious bias around recruiting, around hiring that goes into play that if left unchecked can lead to a lot of people being taken advantage of or just not being able to make as much money as the next person, which, like you said, translate especially for Black women into over the lifetime of their careers being shorted out of millions of dollars. And so we cannot take this lightly. And so I love the work that you're doing and you're continuing to do and grow and educate these companies because it is so needed. So for people who want to level up in their career, how can they work with you, reach out to you? Yeah, so you can find me at yourcareergirl.com. That's the website. I hang out mostly on Instagram. And so I'm your career girl there as well. I have a Facebook group. It's called the Ambitious Women of Color Incorporate. And the link to that we'll put in the show notes because I can't remember the link offhand. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where I am. I do group programs and uh, masterminds and all of those sorts of things as well. Awesome. So thank you so much, Dorian. You have shared some amazing information. Thanks for having me. Dorian really knows her stuff and I am so grateful for her being able to advocate for so many professional women in the coaching capacity and now as an inclusion and diversity consultant for so many businesses that need it. But listen, guys, it's time for us to start speaking up and claiming what's 
ours, rightfully ours. Okay, not speaking up can lead to us losing millions of dollars. And you know that when we lose dollars, our communities lose dollars, and we're not able to affect change in the way that we need to. We are all about changing the world here in the Nurses on Fire community. Lesson number one. We know that you are strong and independent, but don't let that hold you back in your career. You have to get help to truly level up. Part of being a woman of color is like, I'm strong, I'm independent, I can do this, which is great, but I think we over-index on it and it comes to the point where, so I'm not gonna ask anyone for any help at any time, I'm gonna just do this all on my own. And going to the top of your career. Lesson number two. How much money are you leaving on the table by not negotiating? There's research out there that shows that Black women lose around like a million dollars worth of salary over the course of their career because they're not negotiating. Lesson number three. One way to narrow the wage gap is to stop making talking about money so taboo. Speak up and share. HR cannot stop you from doing so. It is illegal for you to be fired or retaliated against for speaking about your salary. It is your right and you're able to do that. This is how the wage gap is able to continue. Because the person I sit next to doesn't know that I'm making $10,000 more than her, she can't advocate for herself. You've been listening to Nurses on Fire. If you want to learn more about me or my guests, check out our show notes page. If you found value, please support our show by supporting our sponsors and affiliates also listed in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or whatever podcast app you're using to stream this show. You guys, tell all the nurses in your life to subscribe and if you know a nurse with a compelling money story and would like me to feature them shoot me an email at nasima at financiallyintentional.com all right y'all much love and keep them fires blazing thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast don't forget to subscribe bye bye